So I've clearly learned my lesson, and we're not actually going to do an intro this time. I'm just going to cold open your guys' asses so you can't screw it up. Oh, sure. fucking hype! I like sure it. enough. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my name is Keith. I'm joined by Peter and Matt. Hi. Hello! And uh, this is What Is My Podcast About, where we just talk about random topics. And see, that was done so smooth because we just cold opened, and I left you guys so confused you couldn't say anything. Yeah. I prefer the chaos of me fucking everything up by just talking. <laughs> I didn't even know we started there for a second. <laughs> well, yeah, I usually start with the ramble. Of course. This is this this is good. This is going to be a positive experience for everyone involved. <laughs> Except for until like you know halfway through when Peter just checks out because he realizes the podcast started. Yeah, of course. When we actually start the podcast, it's going to be fucked. But this like. Like, low-key, we're going to pretend to start the podcast to get everyone nice and comfortable. Uh, yeah, this is fine. It's just when we actually start the podcast, we're fucked. <laughs> uh, so there was actually something I wanted to talk to you guys about before we get into it. And did you guys happen to check out anything from Disney Plus Day? Uh, I was not aware that that was a thing, to be honest with you. Uh, neither was I. Yeah, so Disney Plus Day happened. Uh, they released, like, these 40-minute videos on their different platforms so you know the pixar just standard disney marvel star wars and stuff we got first-hand footage for obi-wan so we got like teaser footage uh we also got some scenes from moon knight and she hulk Ooh. fuck all right podcast is canceled i have to go watch this <laughs> uh we also got a little bit for uh miss marvel and we got a bunch of uh interesting announcements as well that uh, a lot of people weren't expecting uh, so do you guys remember the old X-Men cartoon series? Yep. Uh, yes. It's coming back. Okay, so I did see something about this. I didn't watch uh, Disney Plus Day or whatever it was called. But <clears throat> I did notice uh, Marvel releasing uh, the all the new and upcoming Disney Plus series, which included the continuation of the original X-Men series, as well as Moon Knight and Echo and... Uh, a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, so, so. we're getting uh, X-Men 97, which continues the original uh, X-Men Fox series. We're getting an Echo series. Now, Echo hasn't appeared yet in the series, but it is said that she's going to be one of the characters that we're going to meet in uh, Hawkeye. Fair. We're getting Spider-Man Freshman Year, which I'm not sure on what that is specifically, but it looks like it's kind of like just... Uh, presumably, it's them realizing they haven't done an origin for spider-man and none of us can understand his emotional impact without seeing uncle ben die so maybe it's that uncle who you know the guy who makes the rice uncle ben oh okay i uh, didn't know he was that tied to that experience <laughs> it must have been very traumatic it, it was uh, uh but yes him dying is what leads to spider-man becoming spider-man <laughs> uh we also got an announcement and i do very much enjoy this title agatha house of harkness yep that one should be fun <laughs> Uh, She-Hulk, uh, which has more of like, you know, a CW drama title now, where it's like the She-Slash-Hulk. Yeah. We actually saw her in the costume, and the character says, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry in the trailer, so I'm curious to see where that's going. Nowhere is where it's going. Uh, Miss Marvel got a few shots of footage, same with Moon Knight. Uh, what if Season 2 was confirmed? Uh, I am Groot which is going to be a series, which uh, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out uh, with uh, Groot only having all of three letters that he can say, or three words. Is it still teenager angst, Groot? It, from the title, it looks like baby Groot. Oh, okay. Uh, Ironheart was announced as getting a series. It looks like Ironheart will also be appearing in uh, 
the new Black Panther movie, four. Yep. Uh, we also got an announcement of Secret Invasion, which we already knew was a thing, but we got footage of Samuel Jackson standing there menacingly looking at the camera. And of course, uh, to no one's surprise, they announced a Marvel Zombie series. Obviously. That was always going to happen. I mean, everyone's got to do zombies, right? At least once. Yeah, it, I, I think Marvel Zombies, outside of, like, you know, the main two Marvel universes of, like, the Ultimate Universe and all that, Zombies is the only one that kind of just caught on and always was, like, prominent. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I want to point out, though, that I really did like about the X-Men 97 announcement was on all the social media for Marvel. You know the uh, image of Wolverine holding the photo, and then it zooms in, and like it's something that he's like upset that he misses. In the yeah. original. What was that? And it was a picture of the original X Men, and then underneath it had the logo for X Men '97. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So I got to give him credit for that one. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Marvel ones were the ones I was very excited for, but we also got some first look stuff at Obi One uh, for Star Wars, which I'm looking forward to, as well as the Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett, I'm definitely looking forward to. Yeah, outside of that, it was kind of a slow week for getting new information. Uh, it was just kind of that one that was last minute. That's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yes. Agreed. Anything interesting that happened to you, or do you just want to get into it? Because it is kind of a big episode, I guess. Yeah. I feel like this topic took over 5,000 years. Sorry, I'll stop. 7,000, some would say. Oh, 7,000, you're right. It was 5,000. An eternity. This is an eternal problem. I'll stop now. So if you haven't figured it out yet, we watched Eternals. A movie. (laughs) A movie. Yeah, we watched a movie. Yeah. It's weird, I know. We don't usually do that on this podcast, but that is what we did this time. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, we're kind of just slowly turning into a movie-only podcast. We'll admit that. Yeah, it's not... It's not something we're trying. It is just the easiest thing to do, to be honest, uh, to watch a movie and then talk about that. Um, it's almost like we're cinephiles or something. It's almost like we really enjoy going to the movies and uh, going to the lobby to grab a snack. Sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, what did you guys think of the movie before we get into this one? Was, I heard this, like a lot of people have been very mixed on this movie. Either it did nothing or you loved it. So, yeah, I... Overall, I enjoyed the movie. There were some things I was less than pleased with, but overall, I found it to be quite enjoyable. Yeah, um, when I started watching it, at first, it didn't seem all that interesting to me, but as it went on, I started to get more invested in it. That's very fair. Uh, But as I like to do, Matt, I'm going to get you to explain the movie plot to us. Ooh, I... <laughs> oh, I came up with a good one not too long ago. I forget what it. Ah, uh, essentially, immortal good guys find out it's not so good being immortal, and they also might not be good guys. <laughs> so they become good guys. So, immortal good guy. To paraphrase a little bit, uh, the immortal good guys realize they're not good guys. And immortal is a strange word to apply to them because they were never really mortal in the first place. Or they were never really living in the first place. So they realize they're neither and try their hardest to become both. Yeah, one might say they're eternal. Yes. Yes. Alright, that's cool. Um, Yeah, that's a solid description of the film. Podcast over.
Uh, no, but in all seriousness, yeah, it follows ten uh, interdimensional, not interdimensional, interplanetary beings called the Eternals, who originally came to Earth to fight some deviants. Yeah, we get Icarus, uh, Thena, Circe, Gilgamesh, Fastos, Droog, Makari, Sprite, Kingo, and Ajax. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ajax being the leader and wisest among them all. Which, normally also, in the comics, it's Icarus. It is normally Icarus. I think they wanted to give Icarus... Uh, more of a role and wanted to kill off the leader to well, uh, set events in motion. And that was a thing, definitely. Like, uh, th- they did a really good job of cutting this trailer without changing anything on us to trick us, because it actually seemed like Ajax was going to be in this movie like a lot further than she made it. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that uh, I mean, she kept making appearances throughout the film, because th- this is my one gripe about the movie. Uh, as I said, there are some things I'm less than pleased about it. And the pacing of the film and the fact that it kept jumping back and forth between modern day and the past and kept going back to flashbacks uh, is the one thing I wasn't super psyched about. I felt like it could have been paced slightly better. Um, But because of that, Ajax continues to appear right up till the end of the movie because there's constant fucking flashbacks with Ajax in them. Or sorry, not Ajax, Ajax. Yeah, Uh, to be fair, I didn't mind the fact that we had flashbacks. I felt like there was a lot that could have been cut out, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's They're kind of shoehorned into a strange place where they had these characters who have been around for thousands of years, but they had they had no founding of them yet on the planet, so they had to write their way in somehow. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't mean just like the fact that they had stuff that took place before the main plot was a problem. I just wasn't a fan of the way they did it because... I didn't feel that there was any value gained by telling the first half of the modern day plot and then constantly going back and telling us new uh, setup details in the past. I feel like it very easily could have been told in chronological order. Like the fact that they kept holding off showing how they fell out until after they were all reunited anyways, seemed a little bit weird to me because like, it's not like that had some big reveal that changed the way we understood things. I feel like they very easily could have shown us all the backstory part at the beginning and then shown us all the modern day stuff in the second half of yeah, the they, film. Uh, the way you're saying it, they could have actually did something like the Captain America montage, where it was all of those stories kind of put together, ending with them falling apart, and then do like, you know, 5,000 years later. Yeah, exactly. And then we just cut to modern day where she's working at a museum and... Or not working at a museum, she's teaching a class... So, I think she was at a museum. It's, she was there's a lot at of a museum. on the wall for it not to be a museum. I, I think it's like a prep school that's inside a museum. Okay. But yeah, they could have very easily done it as showing them working together, kind of montaging it a little bit, because that also helps with what you're saying, where there was a lot of stuff that didn't need to be in there. So a lot of that backstory stuff could have been cut down and turned into a wee bit of a montage, and then maybe spent a lot of time on that final scene. Because the final backstory scene where they're in... Oh, I forget the name of the city, but it's when the conquistadors are invading and killing a whole bunch of people and they have the falling out because Droog just wants to protect the people and Ajax makes it very clear that their responsibility isn't to inve- or get invested in humans' wars. It's only to stop the deviants from killing off all humans. Um, and so they have that falling out and they all go their separate ways. I feel like that scene could have stayed its length and everything else could have been kind of cut down into a montage. And then they can just have the cut to black 5,000 years later and then show what's happening uh, now. Except it wasn't 5,000 years. I think that happened like 
500 years ago, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm trying to yeah. say. And the, the title opening of the like the text crawl, I felt like they could have done something different for that one, too. Yeah. I felt like they could have easily cut that, have the same scene open it, where it's uh, Circe and Icarus looking at Earth, and all you had to yeah. do was him go, so what is the name of this backwater planet type thing? You know, get him like, the, oh, he's the military meathead, and then Circe be like, oh, it's Earth. Well, you know, showing the characters' personalities and giving the like the story going on in a way that makes sense with these characters. Yeah, and it could be yeah. like the, the, that starting instead of just Icarus just seeing her, and that's what he falls in love with. It could be her actually, you know, the intelligence being the thing that kind of draws him in. That is one thing I would have liked if they gave more of a reason for Icarus to fall in love with Cersei beyond just the moment he sees her, he decides he's in love with her, and that being most of his character motivation for the entire movie. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just gonna bring this up here. Uh, was I the only one who just immediately called Icarus being the bad guy? No, no, no I saw, absolutely. I saw it right out of the gate. That was very clearly something that was going to happen. But also, uh, I do want to mention that part of the reason why they fell in love so fast, right at the beginning, might have had something to do with what we learn later on in the movie and how they're just constantly having their memories wiped and sent to new planets over and over again. Yeah, they probably it, fell in love in the past, and that just kind of stayed with them, etched into their being, I guess. True. Uh, that is definitely possible. Um, I just... I would prefer it did the show don't tell and gave a reason for him to fall in love with her rather than oh, just yeah. having him see her that first time and decide he's in love with her. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. That's just the only explanation so that I can come up with that works. Yeah. Yeah. And that very well might be the actual in-canon or in-lore explanation. It's just, I would have liked to have been shown a reason for him to fall in love with her. Yeah, and that was my main problem with, like, the opening text scroll. Like, it, it's this first time the Marvel movie's done it, and I feel like it feels kind of out of place, which I guess they are trying to, like, uproot the formula with this current uh, series of movies for this current phase, uh, trying to try to shift everything. But I well, feel like what... a text scroll was a bit too far out. <laughs> Mm-hmm. One of the things I saw online it, that people made complaints about was the fact that this they felt that this should have been a Disney Plus series because of how many different characters they were trying to follow and how much the fucking plot was like kind of stre- or squeezed in to fit into a feature-length film and they could have had like eight hours in the form of a Marvel series. And I kind of understand what they're getting at because that definitely would have been that would have given them more time uh, to flesh out these characters and to handle all these details and to actually not have to do a text crawl, but to actually show, don't tell kind of thing. Uh, but I also understand where this is the Marvel content with the most diverse cast, because so far it has honestly been just a lot of fucking white people. Uh, so I can understand why they didn't want to put this on a Disney plus series. And they wanted to give this as much promotion as they were giving any of their other series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a few characters that did get kind of sidelined, I felt, throughout everything, though. Uh, fair, first of all, like, Kingo didn't feel like he really had much of a plot aside from show up, make some jokes, and then leave. Well, the thing I find quite amusing about Kingo is uh, it was Kamal Nanjani, is that the name of the actor? Yeah, yeah so they got a comedic actor to play Kingo. Uh, I think he did a very good job. Oh, he at, did amazing with what like, he had. Yeah, yeah, with what he had. But the thing I find really funny is apparently he took like a year after being cast and before they started filming to get into like that peak Marvel superhero physique. So he was like ripped and all this shit, and didn't even get one of those classic Marvel superhero takes his shirt off poses. He's just, 
he got into insane shape, did a huge amount of work, and then still played the role of comedic background character who's not actually there to do any of the fighting. Uh, like, yeah, he fought in several scenes and killed a couple deviants, but it's clear his addition to the film was comedy. Um, oh, yeah. and, but and then it, again, Kumail Nanjani is a very amusing person, so it fit very well. Yeah, and I, I don't feel like... It makes sense why his character didn't show up, but it's just so weird that, like, he wasn't there for, like, a, like if you want to have him do that, have him show up sooner, I guess, is the way I would think of it. The way he just kind of, like, declared he wasn't going to be in the climax, and then just kind of rode himself out of the film, uh, felt a little bit strange to me. But other than that, yeah. Oh, no, I can understand, because he was very clear, like, he doesn't want to fight his family, but he doesn't also disagree with Icarus or uh, Cersei's point of view on what should be happening at the end, so... Since he doesn't want, like, he doesn't feel strong enough either way to kill someone over, he's like, I'm just gonna remove myself from this equation. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. like, both of them do have a point that, like, you know, this is kind of required to keep the universe going with the uh, Celestials being hatched from the planets and killing all the population so they can create more planets with more population. Yeah, I I kind of get that. It It's a very interesting debate because... Their argument is more people get to live if we treat these people like they're not people, but actually they're like fodder. But then again, all those new people who get to live get to live as fodder, but not as free people as well, because the entire purpose for them living is to birth new celestials. And it's a very cyclic logic of nothing matters except for the celestials. And you use the argument of the celestials matter because they allow other things to exist, but those other things exist solely to feed the celestials. It's a whole fucking thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But yeah, it's a whole philosophical debate. Oh, Let's yeah. put it that way. That's like all the celestials that loved humanity in some aspect are the ones that were like, we got to stop it from waking up. And Icarus was always, well, I do what my god commands. And King goes like, I'm kind of having fun either way. Yeah. Uh, but I must say, I think one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is when we get introduced to Kingo and uh, Kurun, his valet. And yeah. the thing where they're talking is like, when I first met him, he thought he was a vampire and tried to stake me in the heart. He's like, oh, I tried to apologize that enough. He's like, oh, not enough yet. Getting close, <laughs> though, but haven't apologized enough yet. Um, I enjoy how... So Kingo sets himself up as a Bollywood movie star. Well, not just... A dynasty of Bollywood He's a movie star. dynasty of... And every time he's been on stage for too long... He steps into the shadows for a couple of years and then returns as the last character's son. Yeah, like he uh, points out that uh, <clears throat> when this is brought up that he's played his great great grandfather, his great grandfather, his grandfather, his, his father. father, and then him. Yeah. Um. So I found that pretty fucking funny. But even better is him explaining to Icarus how he is playing Icarus in his upcoming film, <laughs> and he's got cables and stuff because he can't actually fly, but. He's doing his best to just be Icarus, and Icarus just looks like, man, I just, I couldn't care less, though. <laughs> they do a very good job of setting up the whole Kingo would follow Icarus into the gates of hell if fucking asked. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. the other thing I enjoy about that, too, is uh, when he, he's told, like, oh, the deviants are back and we have to go do something. And it's the scene with him and uh, uh, Karam, and he's just sitting there and he's like, I can't go. I mean, all these people, like, we just signed a contract on a th trilogy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> these people need to work. <laughs> and then like, his valet almost... quotes himself, or quotes Kingo in one of his movies. It's like that's your favorite line. Go yeah, do what you're supposed to his, do. Uh, Shadow Warrior series. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Suggest that that's a good reason to go out and fight. 
Um, yeah, I enjoyed Kingo. Uh, I, as I said, I'm a little bit disappointed that he kind of got written out of the finale. I understand why, but I would have enjoyed seeing uh, him after that scene. Um, yeah. I would definitely say Kingo is probably one of my three favorite characters uh, of the Eternals. Who are your other two? Is Gilgamesh one of them? Oh, hell yeah, Gilgamesh is one of them. Okay, good. I was going to say, Gilgamesh isn't one of your favorite. I'm extremely disappointed in you. Because Gilgamesh is my favorite. Yeah, Gilgamesh is absolutely... Gilgamesh is... He's in my top three. I don't want to rank my top three because I enjoyed them all immensely, but he's definitely in my top three. I mean, well, how are you introduced to him? He walks out and punches a deviant. Yeah. Well, that, and he's also the basis for the character of Gilgamesh in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yeah. Uh, so who's your other third favorite, Keith? Uh, so my last favorite one, which is surprising because I picked a Druig, because I really enjoyed the, the, the depiction of Druig mm-hmm. in this one and how he acted, which is uh, funny because normally Druig is the villain of the uh, Turtles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can even see them trying to set that up for all the like comic book nerds out there of when he splits off, they seem to be setting him up becoming a villain down the line. Um, only for it to actually be Icarus. I mean, it's not that surprising if you're a movie buff and not a comic book buff, but if you're a comic book buff and not a movie buff, then it could be very easy to come to the conclusion that Druig's being set up as the villain. Um, also, yes, Druig was also my top three. So my top three were Gilgamesh, Druig, and I also just really enjoyed the concept of Makari, the yeah, really cool. deaf speedster. Uh, so she was also my top three. When it comes to the power set and like some of the showpieces, I think Makari had the best. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that fucking scene when they realize that the celestial uh, Tiamat is starting to escape from the Earth, and they send her off to find out where Tiamat's going to emerge from. Runs across and she, the entire planet, and she's like, yeah, "Okay, this is the place." Scene of her running across the entire planet and then coming back just to see Icarus about to throw down. Uh, that was a very enjoyable scene. Also, I need to clarify, uh, it's Tiamat. Tiamat is a different thing in the Marvel Universe. You're right, Tiamat, not Tiamat. Yeah, because uh, Tiamat's like the mother of monsters. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the other cool thing about this, and uh, this might be something that a lot of people didn't pick up on, but I noticed quite quickly, they did Makari's speed different than a lot of movies have been doing speed recently. Uh, whereas most movies have kind of depicted speed as everything in the world is kind of slow-mo. Mm-hmm. But for Makari, they did it that everything in the background was sped up. Yeah. Which I, I found really cool because it really gives like an air of like super speed to her compared to like, oh, the person's so fast, everything moves in slow-mo. But uh, that was kind of started by the Quicksilver scene in uh, the X-Men movies, I feel. And this one yeah. kind of says, we're going to do it a different way and they do it really well. Yeah, uh, they kind of started the whole bullet time trope with Days of Future Past, I think was the first one to yeah. do it with, uh, with uh, Quicksilver. Yeah. But yeah, I found this take on it because... To me, the first time they did it, it conveyed the idea of speed, but also just kind of made it seem like he was just lazing. It's less so him speed and more so his power that just time moves slowly for him. Yeah. Whereas this one made it seem less like time was moving slowly and more so that her power was just that she was super fucking fast. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And also, I think, honestly, she probably could have just 1v1 Icarus, honestly. Yeah, that fucking fight between her and Icarus. I could have very easily gone her fucking way uh, on her own. Oh, yeah. Although Fastos actually taking Icarus down at the end was, like, amazing. 
Yeah, him saying the line about how he's always wanted to clip Icarus' wings. Fucking chef's kiss of beauty. <laughs> it's uh, like so much symbolism. It was like, you kind of got the vibe, because uh, when they have that split-up scene uh, where they all go their separate ways, you get the feeling that Druig and Icarus never really got along. But then when you get to that scene, you kind of get the vibe that the only people who got along with Icarus were Cersei and Sprite, and that's because one of them was in love with him. And the other one, like, kind of was in love with him, I guess. Yeah. But you kind of get the feeling that literally everyone else has always wanted to fucking throw down with Icarus since yeah. the beginning of time. <laughs> well, even Thena's like, I was looking forward to this. Yeah, Thena straight up says she wanted to throw down with him. Gilgamesh, I guess, never got the chance to do that because he died before he got the chance. Well, I think Gilgamesh has um, kind of played off as like the friendly giant where he doesn't want to yeah. hurt people. Yeah, so I don't think Gilgamesh necessarily wanted to fight him, but you get the vibe from literally everyone else that they've always just wanted to teach fucking Icarus to be a more humble piece of shit. <laughs> Alright, so the actual plot then, I guess? Uh, rather than just talking about the specific characters? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, the plot of this one's pretty straightforward of it's it doesn't give us an exact how close to after the snap is, just that the snap is an important thing for kind of setting everything into motion. Yeah, and it's less so the events of the snap change things, and more so the snap changed the Eternals' perspectives. Well, um, uh, one of them, specifically. The rest of them, I feel like we're already on the same point of view. Yeah, because to be the, fair... The only ones that the, know about what's actually going on with the uh, Celestials being hatched is uh, Ajax and Icarus. Yeah, everyone else... I mean, I think it's even implied that Icarus had his memories wiped because he doesn't say he always knew about it. He says he's known for over 500 years or something, so presumably yeah. before they split up, he was told about their purpose. Yeah, uh, um, he found yeah. out... They, they said it in the movie, it's like just after they all split up at... Uh... Or wherever they were, Babylon, I think? No, it was, uh, Babylon was where they started. This would have been when yeah. they were in South America. Okay, but yeah. so when or... they split, he said that just after they split up, Ajax told him. Right. Um, because she could tell he had utmost faith in Amon, was that the name of the god? Aramesh. 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 I don't know where I got fucking... Arishem. Oh, Arishem. Arishem. Arishem, yeah. Yeah, if you guys um, don't know that, in the comics, he's Arishem the Judge, which kind of goes into the last scene with him. Arishem, yeah. Big Red. Uh, vaguely reminiscent of other Marvel characters, but that's because they're also Celestials. Not like the only other Celestial we've seen, though, which we, who looked very different from Arishem. That's, well, we've seen, uh, uh, we've seen, at this point, four Eternals. Or not Eternals, uh, uh, Celestials. Because we've yeah. had uh, Vigo. Uh, yep. We've had Nowhere, which is just the floating head. And we had, I can't remember the name, but the purple one that blows up the planet in Guardians. I don't think we ever get that one's name. Um, but yeah, that's the one that also looks like a Celestial. Um, and then we have, uh, it kind of seems like we have the two forms of Celestial, which is the Nowhere and Ego, which are both just kind of big heads, except Ego can manifest himself as a body. To be fair, we never see Nowhere alive. We only ever see Nowhere's corpse, so perhaps it behaved a lot more like Ego when it was alive. So there's an actual interesting theory about that, but we'll get into that later once we get through the plot. Fair. Um, so yes. Uh, we The snap happens, it changes Ajax's perspective, uh, and since no one else understands what their purpose is, they were always on board with protecting humans. 
except for Icarus. Icarus is the one who very much so feels that their original purpose is much more important. I suppose Kingu and Sprite are both on board with him, more so because they're on board with him and less so the plan, except Kingu does seem to be on board with the whole. Well, I I think Kingo is kind of like middle of the pack where he doesn't want to interfere with the way of things because he still sees the uh, Arishem as like a big important thing. But he also likes the people clearly. Otherwise, I don't think he would have as much joy from being a movie star. Yeah. Uh, So he's kind of like a middle of the fence. And I feel like everyone except for Icarus and Sprite like humanity. Although I'd say Thena and Gilgamesh are kind of like a they'll defend humanity. But I wouldn't say like they're in love with humanity like the other characters are. Yeah, for them, they're more so they were a fan of the other Eternals, as far as I could tell. And it's not that they disliked humanity, they just didn't seem to have strong feelings one way or another towards humanity. And then Druig, Makari, Festus, uh, and Cersei all seem to have very strong positive feelings towards humanity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Snap happens... Second and third snap both also happen. Four snaps. The four, all four snaps happen. I was trying to count in my head how many snaps happened in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Um, but yes, all four snaps happen. Uh, and Ajak is convinced that there's more going on based on how she saw the resilience of humanity uh, during that time and all the stuff that happened and came to the conclusion that Perhaps humanity was worth saving, and uh, they needed to save them from the Celestials. Not from the Celestials, but from the, the emergence. Tiamat. Yeah, because it was delayed by the fact that when Thanos snapped, it halved all populations, which means the Eternals, or not the Eternals, the Celestials that were inside Less the energy. Planets, yeah, which caused them to get all delayed. And yep. she's like, well, if Thanos snapping can delay, maybe there's a chance for humanity. Yeah, and... Honestly, that brings up more questions about why they didn't get involved with the Thanos fight. Because they're told they were not allowed to uh, get involved in the conflicts of humanity. Which, first of all, the Thanos thing was a conflict for everybody, not just humanity. All beings. Well, And um, it was also something that we have learned directly impacted the plans of the Celestials. But here's the thing to keep in mind. Uh, The Eternals, only two of them, knew at this point that... True. They were feeding the life force for the Celestial uh, that was going to hatch. And a second oh, on yeah. that, they were told specifically to only get involved if a Deviant was involved. Oh, mm. I know. I'm just saying, it's weird that the orders from Erishem didn't come down of like, hey, this is not only going to stop the hatching of future Celestials, it's also going to kill half of all existing Celestials. Maybe do get involved with this fight. This fight might not specifically be about Deviants, but maybe it makes sense for you guys to get involved in that one, too. T- to be fair, we don't know if this would have affected the Celestials during the snap. That might be something they address later, but I could see the potential of, like, Celestials didn't care because it literally did not affect them. Yeah. I, I could maybe see that, but the whole purpose of the snap was it killed half of all living beings, regardless of their race or species or anything like that. I know, but, like, for example, uh, uh, let's say... the. the the Eternals, they're not actually living creatures. Would they have been affected by the snap? Because it didn't seem like they were. I'd be willing to believe the Eternals weren't because they specifically weren't living beings. They were essentially automatons uh, that were powered by cosmic energy from the Celestials. I... There might be a future scene that says I'm wrong, uh, but I'd find it very strange if they suggested that 
the Celestials were unimpacted by the snap because Celestials canonically are living beings. Yeah, it's just uh, right now it seems like they could go either way with the concept of the Celestials were actually going to be potentially affected by that and what the outcome of that would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could, it could also be played that the Celestials are just too powerful to be affected by the Infinity Stones. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, considering the Celestials also solved the problem that Thanos was solving just by existing. Yeah. But I don't know. We will see. I There's a lot of... That... It's, we're at the point in the uh, current phase where we have a bunch of questions and no answers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is I will be frustrated if it turns out that the Celestials were in no danger from Snap and that they're just going to keep fucking deciding that things don't matter to certain things to get around having to deal with why stuff didn't happen in the past with the characters they're introducing in the future. Like, I understand you need to have an excuse for why the Celestials didn't get involved in the Thanos fight or why the Celestials didn't make the Eternals get involved in the Thanos fight, but to just say that the Celestials were never in any danger from that when the whole point of the Infinity Stones is once you wield them, you have infinite power and anything you desire can be fucking manifested. Seems a little bit frustrating to be told that, Mm -hmm. oh, that's true, with the exception of every future thing that we decide, we don't want to actually be affected by the Infinity Stones. True, but that's kind of just how comics work. I know. (laughs) I'm just saying... I personally will be frustrated if they keep going forward and deciding that, like, I understand the way movies work and they have to increase the fucking tension all the time, but part of the reason that they wrote the Infinity Stones out of the story was because they were so powerful and they could solve any problem in the future, so they can still have stakes in the future because now they don't have the Infinity Stones to solve all their problems in the present. Um, So if it's just revealed that there was stuff that was never in any danger for me, Infinity Stones, and that's their way of ramping up the tension, then what's the point of writing out things that would resolve those issues if you're just going to come back later and say, oh, those things never would have resolved that issue in the first place? Oh, understandable. But I, I can, like, there's a few things where it makes sense. I'm not saying everything is going to be, oh, immune to Infinity Stones, but I can see these Celestials being a very unique thing in the universe because make it, you know, like, for example, say Thanos, and this is using some leaps based on the comics as well say thanos snapped and one of the half that he ended up getting was galactus well then everything just gets destroyed right yeah so i feel like they're like he even though he says i'm snapping out half of everything we don't even know if the celestials are considered fully organic right because they're just giant metal chunks so uh, there's a lot of things we just don't know that we can't say for sure if it's they're immune to the infinity stone snap or there's something else going on once again, I am not trying to suggest that they would die to the Infinity Stones. I'm just saying that is what logically makes the most sense to me. And or maybe, the more uh, that Marvel comes out and says blank is immune to blank because that's our excuse for that not happening, uh, lowers the tension of anything they invent. Because the next big bad that they make, the superhero that comes back uh, comes around after that big bad was always immune to that big bad in order to increase tension. And the more they do that, the less stakes there are in any story. Or maybe even uh, the snap did affect the Celestials, but half of the Celestials disappearing was still so inconsequential because they still had however many planets seeded to create more Celestials, and that plan was still ongoing and took millions of years anyway. And let's not forget, they also predate the Infinity Stones. 
in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe lore. Yeah, so they're like, oh, mm, all right, just have to yeah, wait I'm, another. I'm fine with it. Thousand years. I'm fine with the excuse being that they didn't care about half of them dying off because of the fact that their plans span the life of the universe and a reset like that isn't the end of the world. The thing mm-hmm. I would take issue with is them just declaring the Celestials immune. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm not saying if that happens, I'm going to stop watching. My- <laughs> I'm just saying the more they go back and just retcon everything, the less impact everything that comes after that has because they leave the door open for that to just be retconned as soon as it's done. So right now, the only confirmation of the Infinity Stones not working on anything is the time bureau thingy. Yeah, the TVA established that. Yeah. Yes. The Infinity Stones only work in the universe they're from. And that one I am actually perfectly fine with mm-hmm. because they're tied to the universe they came from, so they would only have an impact there. Oh, I guess that means technically uh, Galactus wouldn't be affected by the t- uh, Infinity Stones anyways. Yeah, because he's not from this universe. Alright, uh, anyways, that was my gripes about why they didn't fight uh, Thanos. I just, <laughs> I needed to fucking point out that the excuse of they're only to fight deviants uh, because their goal is to raise human population doesn't make sense when the threat is cutting human population yeah. in half. Because if it wasn't for the fucking... Uh, especially, like, the big thing about the Thanos snap is it doesn't just cut the population in half and then everything goes back to normal, except now they have half the population. It would also destroy global supply lines and all that shit, which means that the population would not continue growing at the rate it had been beforehand. Population would probably stagnate for a while after that and would slowly start to grow, but actually, not uh, nearly. Funny thing, someone did the math on population growth, uh, and if half the population from the Earth disappeared, uh, the calculation was it would take 69 years for the population to get back to where it was. So it actually doesn't Ah. delay by that much. Uh, see, but that's assuming that everything about the world stays the same with half the population. But if Which it half, wouldn't. If half the population died with a snap of a fingers, planes would crash out of the sky. Our entire means of distributing food from areas where we can grow food to areas where we can consume food also gets fucking fucked mm. up entirely. So it might take 69 years for the population to grow from half its current rate back to where it is right now. Theoretically, half of the educated workforce behind all of the moving engines of society would just be gone also. So you'd have to recover from that also. Yeah, so it would be devastating not just in terms of the population cut, but in the amount of growth that humanity could go through uh, immediately after that. Like, yes, it absolutely would get back to that point, but it would slow down the growth uh, a fair bit. Oh, it was just like the point of it was that Thanos snapping long term actually does nothing. Oh yeah, long term oh, yeah. in terms of celestial plans. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely, I agree. I'm just saying it does fuck with the supply chain of not just humanity but also the celestials because it does slow shit down. So it doesn't fucking matter. Let's stop talking about Thanos. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is fight Thanos just because he wasn't a deviant. Yeah, the big purple people snapper is gone, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. He's so dead bad the they past. killed him twice. <laughs> but yeah, we get uh, the 
the turtles doing their things throughout the time. Now, there's one thing I kind of want to mention here that I forgot to mention a bit earlier. But when we're getting the Icarus and Circe storyline where they get married, uh, you'll notice that everyone in the crowd of the Eternals is happy for them, except for Sprite, who just looks pissed off, which they pay off later by revealing that Sprite loves Icarus. Yep. Yeah. Which was, I felt like she was a nice is little the, She is the Tinkerbell to uh, Icarus's Peter Pan. As put by is... Kingo. Yeah. Although in the comics as well, I think she meets the writer of... Uh, Peter Pan and kind of inspires it in the comics anyways. I'd believe it. She's a child who never grows up. Yeah, because the way they wrote the Eternals is they're kind of inspiration for a lot of Earth's mythos. Yeah, and that's always kind of uh, been the thing with the Eternals, right? Yeah, she not only met uh, Jam Barry and inspired Peter Pan, she also met Shakespeare and inspired the character of Puck from Midsummer's Night Dream. I mean, to be fair, her whole character like her personality, at least in the beginning, was she was a great storyteller, so her She's inspiring other storytellers makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the one thing of point with, like, some of these stories, like, of all of them, like, being based off things, uh, in the comics, specifically, Icarus, uh, the story of Flying Close to the Sun, in this version, it's explained as uh, Sprite made up the story about Icarus, whereas yeah. in the comics, it's actually Icarus's son between him and a human that did that and died. Oh. Yeah. Also, he named his son Icarus, and his son is the one who melted next to the sun, so fun with that, I guess. Makes perfect sense. Uh, in this film, instead of that happening, we hear that the story was written that, but it also ends with the character Icarus literally flying too close to the sun and dying. He's Although like, it's not so much too close as his entire intention was to die, so... Him flying the exact right distance to the sun, which is inside the sun, yeah, he, uh, and then dying. Yeah, at the end, he fl- flies back off into space. I'm like, okay, he's going back home to get to work on the next celestial, I guess. But then he just stops in space, turns, looks at the planet. It's like, uh, oh, well. And then just flies into why, the sun. Like, I'm like, really? Half just of me expected of, of course, he dies in the sun. Half of me expected when he turned around to look at the planet that he was just going to start laser-eyeing the planet from space <laughs> to fuck it up. It's like, if this planet won't die to the Celestial, it'll die to me! <laughs> uh, also, the uh, funny and... thing about him flying into the sun is he's clearly aware of the story of Icarus. So, like, he kind yeah. of picked an on-the-nose way to go, like Matt was pointing out. Yeah. Just yeets himself into the sun. Uh, but uh, I guess one thing to remember is uh, even though, sadly, Gilgamesh died, Icarus got killed... Uh, Ajax is dead. This doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the characters, considering what they revealed. So the characters could come back, but their personalities are probably different. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could come back their... as enemies in the future. Although, when I saw the cast of the movie, I was like, Ajax and Athena definitely die. You don't hire, like, you know, Sama Hayek and Angelina Jolie and keep them on the payroll for that long. So I was yeah. pleasantly surprised Athena. that... Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised Athena lived. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was one of those things. Like, a lot of those... A lot of those actors had names beforehand, and uh, I don't mean that literally. I mean, like, they were known names beforehand. But seeing Sama Hayek and Angelina Jolie get written into the MCU, it seemed like the kind of thing where they were going to be here for the one film, just so that they could have had their role in the MCU. But then you don't want to pay Angelina Jolie to be in an extended amount of movies when you're already the no-name actors you bring into the MCU immediately start costing you infinite money after their first film. Um, 
so I can see why they wouldn't want to keep Angelina Jolie around, but they absolutely decided to at least keep her around and write her into the next Eternals yeah. movie, so... But then again, cool. her character Athena is uh, confused as... She puts it in the movie. Yeah, I thought that's why they were going to kill her off, because she was having that thing that makes them, you yeah. know, get murderous. So, she probably won't play any major roles going forward, but she'll most likely make cameos. I feel yeah. like they cured her, like, I, I know it's not cured per se, but I feel like they resolved that thing with her when she fought Crow in the cave. Yeah, because the like they, they suggest that she has too many memories in her head, and that's why it's happening. But you kind of get the feeling that it's not so much that uh, she has memories from before the last mind wipe, but that her mind wipe wasn't a hundred percent successful, so she has fractured memories from beforehand. Yeah, she's she's, she's kind of happening. split between multiple, I guess, personalities yeah, and doesn't know what's real. Now that she has the understanding of where those memories came from, it seems like she has a lot better grasp over them. Um, so yeah, especially the ending scene where she kills the human deviant, as Bro. I'm gonna call him. Well, I, thought you, I thought you were going to bring up the part where she speared the uh, the, uh, the orange. <laughs> no. Uh, the part where she killed Crow, because you okay. can see her like sinking back into the losing the mind bit a little bit uh, as Crow's trying to kill her, and then she breaks out of it herself and kills Crow. Yeah. Uh, that kind of seems to suggest that she had conquered her uh, uh, mind... Madweary, I think it was called? Yeah, Madweary. Yep, mad Mad weary situation, uh, and she seems to have uh, adapted to life. I don't know. They could easily write it back in that that's a resolved issue because they didn't explicitly say it was resolved, but they have set the basis for that not to be an issue in future movies. Yeah, especially after that scene, she seemed a lot more confident and aware. So I feel like they're kind of implying that she's moved past that problem. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I guess another thing to bring up here is uh, we do have another. MCU character that's gotten revealed as uh, Kit Harrington playing Dane Whitman. Uh, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, if once again, if you're familiar with the comics, this wasn't a like huge fucking reveal. I mean, like his name being Dane Whitman, you figured it out pretty early on. But even if you didn't figure it out early on because you don't read the comic books, like, they hey. all but say it in the fucking post credit scene. He is the Black Knight, uh, yeah. wielder did, of the Ebony Blade. Yeah, I did a little bit of searching into that at the end, because, you know, Ebony Sword, Black Sword, I'm like, oh! And they also name-dropped Excalibur and the Ebony Blade in the movie. Yeah, Yeah. so, in the earlier scene when I think it's Athena is picking up a sword while they're back on their ship, and someone mm -hmm. asks her if that's the Ebony Blade, so I enjoy how the Eternals are already intimately familiar with the Ebony Blade, but maybe have never seen it before, because that sword is in no way the Ebony Blade, because, yeah, you know... No. Black is well, the whole thing about the Ebony Blade. In the comics, Excalibur and, and the Ebony Blade are like twin swords uh, that do different things. Where Excalibur enhances like the good, the Ebony Blade kind of draws out your evil. Uh, yeah. So the whole point of the Ebony Blade is the more sins you commit or something to that effect, uh, the stronger the blade makes you. Because the whole point is the blade makes you immortal uh, and provides you with like armor that protects you from damage. Uh, but you have to kill people in order to maintain the power. And if you don't kill people, then the blade dulls and you no longer remain immortal. Uh, um, on the Ebony Blade, I do believe they changed the aspect of you need to kill people. And more so that the longer you have the blade and you use it, uh, it uh, kind of de degrades your sanity in a sense. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's so, no like there's no like delaying it now. It's more so your will versus how strong it is at de like degrading you. Well, what was the phrase on the uh, the case of the blade at the end? Death is my reward. Death yeah. is my reward. Because you're immortal when you have the blade. Mm. Yeah. So I misspoke. I don't think it's that you have to kill, but specifically, it is written into the Ebony Blade in the MCU that if you don't do evil things, that the blade will stop giving you its power. Um, so you could have the willpower to not do evil things because it does also corrupt you a little bit, but then it just won't make you immortal and all powerful. Um, but I don't think it specifically has to be m murder. It just has to be sinful acts in general. Um, Still like the, stealing candy from a baby. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the guy who holds the Ebony Blade before Dan Whitman, like he makes a reference to his uncle or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He's, he's, the in the one comics, he he's a villain. Sorry? In the comics, his uncle's a villain. Yeah. Uh, he's a villain, but it's not specifically that he's going around cutting down everyone around him. He's essentially a mob boss or something to that effect. Um, he does also kill people, but it's just him being a shitty dude is what gives him the power of the Ebony Blade. Uh, and that's the uncle that he always wanted to reconnect with. Uh, <laughs> and now that it's the end of the world, he probably should. Yeah, and that's the thing. In the comics, there definitely was a point where it's like, you have to be bloodthirsty and all that stuff. I think because they wanted to move Dame Whitman in more to a, like a complex hero type character and be on the Avengers, uh, which for like the last couple like 10 15 ish years they've been trying to shift the black knight in the comics so i think that's why it's more of its a mental willpower battle between you and the blade is kind of like what they kind of shifted it into but i haven't really that, read it too much in the last couple of years that's fair i'm not up to date my knowledge is all based on the old lore of the ebony blade which was it you don't have to do evil things with it but if you don't you just won't get its power but they could have changed it that you get its power regardless and it's just, uh, it tries to corrupt you into being evil constantly. Yeah, it pretty much Regardless, it finds your sins and your evilness that's hidden within and draws it out and makes it stronger, uh, which eventually just starts breaking down your mentality. Regardless, the whole point of the Ebony Blade is it is supposed to make its wielder all-powerful, but also all-evil. Um, whether it, how it goes about doing that might have been changed within the recent Marvel lore, but that's always been the idea, is... It is a sword that makes you immortal and all-powerful, but also makes you evil over time. Yeah, and uh, skipping to the end of the movie, like during the end credit, well, the uh, ending, and then the end credit where we get the reveal of the Ebony Blade. So when him and Cersei are there having the conversation, I was definitely not expecting a fucking Celestial to pop up at the end of this movie over Earth. Yeah, yeah no. Erishem to just show up and be like, yo... You broke our compact, so I'm taking you three with me, and I'm going to read your mind. Like, I'm deferring judgment on whether or not Earth will be destroyed, and I'm reading you three's fucking memories and making heavy judgments to decide whether or not Earth will be allowed to continue to exist. Yeah, uh, just him showing up at the end was definitely like, okay, this drastically shifts the game of where this is going. There is yeah. no, like, backing down from this moment. So, yeah, looks like the next big bad is going to be something celestial related. Yeah, I think Arishem yeah. is probably going to be whatever the Avengers movie coming up uh, it could even be like something like uh, and like Avengers Judgment or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, something to that effect. I mean, and not necessarily, well that could be like the next Avengers movie but that wouldn't obviously be the big bad because uh, in a little bit of uh, looking into what we got out of the post credit scenes and such 
I came across something. There was a potential uh, story point that was hinted at potentially in the end of Loki. Oh? Yeah. Uh, where's... Oh. Do you mean the, the game storyline? That wasn't the hinted, that was explicitly no. <laughs> uh, The Court of the Living Tribunal. Yeah, well, that could be the judgment, right? Yeah, well, may he may be part of it or work for the Living Tribunal. Well, everything uh, cosmic uh, answers to the tribunal, tribunal mm. based on the rules that they have. So that could be yeah. Arishem wasn't able to just destroy Earth because the yeah, Eternals he he had to, to follow the procedure. He has to follow some rules. So they're going to court in the next Marvel movie. I so now that you've suggested that my preference is it's Earth going to court and it's purely just Daredevil defending Earth as a whole. <laughs> I mean, they're getting She-Hulk in here too. That's true. It could be uh, the uh, lawyer power team of Daredevil and She-Hulk working together to defend Earth. <laughs> uh, and uh, going back to the end credit scene. So once we get that reveal and like you know, Dane's kind of there. It's like, oh no, they stole Cersei, which. A brief aside, a lot of people complained why even bother putting Dane Whitman in here and not having him in the story. I don't think that was a problem because it introduces the character and it gives Cersei a connection, even if it's not front and center for the whole movie. Like, why she's, like, connected to humanity in a sense. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense. Um... But the, the thing I really enjoy is after seeing this giant, like, cosmic being steal Cersei... Dane's immediate idea is like, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna go grab the dark sword and go fight it and get it back. He's like, this sword's gonna help me defeat the Celestial. And also, uh, it wasn't just them that saw the Celestial on the horizon. Yeah. Everyone could see him. Oh yeah, like, it's a big shake-up of the universe, and then Dane's like, I'm gonna go get this dark sword, and that's gonna yeah, solve so this problem. And then Blade I, shows I wanna up. see what everyone else's reactions are, like, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, like, uh, excuse me, what do we do about that? Yeah, I Nothing. feel like, I That's feel like, honestly, the if we're getting an end credit scene for, you know, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, it's going, like, one of them ha feels like it's going to relate to this. Mm-hmm. Because I well, feel like this is the this setup, point. this feels like this is the setup for the next Avengers movie, in a sense. That is possible. Uh, I could be mistaken, but Based on my memory of that scene, it didn't seem like anyone other than Dane Celestial showing up in the sky. So it's entirely possible that the Celestial had some sort of masking on it, so most people didn't see that happening. Like, yeah, Doctor Strange is 100% going to be aware that's happening. That's his whole fucking purpose on Earth, is to be aware of shit like that happening and to prevent it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not causing chaos in the streets, because... I don't remember if everyone else uh, reacted to it. If I remember correctly, I believe someone in that park said that thing took her. That is possible. Uh, once again, I'm not sure. I'm just saying the door is open for not to be the entire city freaking out. Yeah. And uh, was it? we also get our first introduction when Dane is about to pick up the sword of yep. Blade. Yeah, Mashallah Ali voicing the back. Are his, you sure you really want to do camera. that, Dane? Yeah. Uh, which... I think proves my uh, theory, well, not theory, but my suggestion wrong. 
which was back when we were talking about Phase 4 uh, quite a while ago. And we talked about Blade, and I suggested that the most logical way for them to introduce vampires to the MCU is through Multiverse of Madness. Um, the fact that Blade is already here... I mean, I guess, timeline permitting, this could, in theory, happen afterwards. Uh, and it's just not addressed. But uh, it seems quite likely that Blade was on Earth before the Multiverse of Madness plotline, so... Maybe well, vampires were always here. I, I feel I mean, like the uh, way they're kind of moving with the current phase of Marvel is showing that there was a lot of stuff going on that was just never noticed before. And so I mean, earlier in the movie, we already got the tidbit that Kingo was mistaken for a vampire. Yeah. And uh, it's probably going to be like the mythologies we thought we knew, which is like part of the world, actually were real. So vampires is a thing that exists within our mythology and then the reveal is probably just oh well they were real that's why they're in the mythology just like the eternals and you know gilgamesh and thena yeah uh the one thing i will say is kingu getting mistaken for a vampire does not mean that vampires are real oh yeah people no, no. in our world have been mistaken for vampires before doesn't mean vampires are real in our world <laughs> uh i fucking hope that'd be very disconcerting <laughs> if that meant that fact that someone has once thought another human being was a vampire means that vampires are real Horrifying implication for our <laughs> actual one. Um, but yes, it is entirely possible vampires have always been there. Um, and we just never knew about them. That is... I hate to say it, but that does feel a little bit close to what I was discussing earlier, where the more they go back and retcon and say this has always been the case, we just never addressed it until now. It's another one of those straws on the camel's back, and it's not breaking the back just yet, but it is... Raising questions of the more they retcon, the less impact everything that happens before it uh, has. I feel like as long as they do it in a way that makes sense for why they're so secretive works. For example, say an organization kind of like the Midnight Suns exists in the universe that fights specifically those demonic things and held back is like there and it's what's keeping them back. Or is it was it MI-13 is the one for the British characters? Yeah. If that, that exists, then it would make sense. Oh, the vampires are in hiding and not really going out when they don't have to because they don't want to get murdered off by these two organizations. With Blade being and around. then in the case of the Eternals, hey, they were considered gods. Gods don't yeah. typically interact yeah, and with and then humans. we could have something like uh, Tiamat specifically. Maybe Tiamat gets, or Lilith, gets woken up because of all the fucking Infinity Gauntlet snaps that happened on Earth within the span of a couple months. It just woke her up from her slumber, and that's why vampires get a little bit more active now, because the, you know, the person that's responsible for them uh, being created is now empowering them, or something like that. Yeah, uh, to be fair, the Eternals' existence and them not being known about, I'm fine with. It's what I was talking about earlier, where if they just suggest that the Celestials weren't, that would be another straw on the camel's back. Once oh, again, yeah. None of these are necessarily the straw that breaks the camel's back, but it is adding more straws, so eventually there might be one that does break the back. Yeah, they um, do have to... At this they point, to, they do have to make a good effort at yeah. making a good case as to yeah. why. And that's it for it's anything. A, if, it, if it's supposed to exist for the whole time, you have to explain why uh, it didn't come up. Yeah, and like, if the Blade movie just opens up with a text scroll explaining that vampires have been around the entire time, but most humanity doesn't know about their existence... I can't enjoy the Blade movie. If they no, put that's, it that's a cop. But what if, if it opens up with a vampire blood rave party? Then I can't not enjoy the Blade movie. <laughs> now, if it opens up with a text crawl that leads into a vampire blood it's already been ruined and I can't enjoy it too bad, but if it opens with a vampire blood rave and then goes into a text crawl 
playing Vampires of Art in there, I'll be extremely conflicted and probably cry the entire time. I don't know what's you going will, on. You will unhappily accepted it's blade walking into the plant uh, the uh blood rave for the vampires and then it cuts to a black screen and then it's just a text scroll of what's happening in the blood rave of him killing everybody not any lore it's just like and then blade shoves his thor through the vampire skull the entire movie is actually just a book in that it's just a text scroll describing the entire plot of the movie and there is no actual it's just vampire blood rave cut to black screen. Text is the rest of the movie. Or they do it like the Princess Bride and it's Blade telling a story to somebody. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I don't know. That that could be a thing. Anyways, that's all I'm saying is the more they go back and retcon, the more work they have to put into justifying it. Otherwise, it it stretches my suspension of disbelief. And... I have not gotten to the breaking point yet, but it gets closer every time. Bullshit like this. Also, I kind of just threw the name out there, like just off the top of my head. But goddamn, a Midnight Sun in the MCU would be great. Yeah, I would actually be fucking into that. Midnight Sun. Yeah, Midnight Suns is a kind of like a organization that's they're specifically for dealing with the like evil, like pure evil things. So. Mephisto would be something that these groups would fight. Mainly it's Lilith. Lilith seems to be the one that they're always fighting, but it's like the evil characters that are tainted by darkness that band together because they're the only ones who can defeat this type of stuff because they're already tainted by it. So okay. Blade, Punisher, uh... Black Knight? Yeah, Black Knight's been on there a few times too. Yep. Hmm. Just Doctor Strange has been on the organization quite a few times too. Yeah, different organize. Well, it's an organization of different members who are all kind of responsible for fighting not bad guys, but just entities of pure evil. Yeah. Like Thanos, you could argue is a bad guy, but wasn't purely evil. These beings are specifically evil and have no redeeming qualities, and that's what the Midnight Suns are tasked with fighting. Yeah, and they usually all always lead back to Lilith uh, in yeah. every storyline. I legitimately can't remember a single storyline that doesn't lead back to Lilith. <laughs> uh, so, uh, near the end of the movie is when we get the Icarus quote-unquote reveal, which, honestly, we are already kind of... Like, at this point, it was yeah. pretty obvious he was the bad guy. But, yeah. like, the whole, like, oh, it was six days earlier, and it shows him sitting next to Ajax. I was like, oh, this is where he kills her. Yeah, like, yeah. Even when they first found her body, I was convinced that, like, he killed her. Yeah, like he uh, he didn't seem all that surprised when they went to the church well, or when they went to her house. The going back thing, and this is more of knowing the information and going back. You can see that like he's the last one to enter the house. He doesn't seem like the rest of them are like concerned. Like, oh, where is she? And he's just kind of straight faced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did not hide that he was. I suppose you could say it wasn't them trying to hide it. It was them trying to shadow that he was going to be evil. In which case, they actually foreshadowed it really well. Uh, in that there was lots of little clues that led to leading to him being the bad guy. Um, also, I completely called the end twist being like him not being able to kill Cersei, and that's why they the uh, Eternals win. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they did a really bad job of convincing me that Droog was dead. Yeah, to have him just get lasered while we can't see his body... It's very hard to believe that that character is dead in that moment. And then he just, fucking Icarus comes down and is like, well, Droog's dead, your plan's failed. It's like, is he though? 
I don't believe it. What, like, what, the implication what, we're supposed to take from that is the plan's not failed because we already know that the real plan all along was, even if they didn't think the plan was it, what was always going to happen was Cersei was going to be the one to defeat the Celestial. Uh, so the plan was never actually for Droog to do it, even if they thought that's what the plan was. So the plan didn't fail when Droog quote-unquote died, but sitting there in the audience like, yeah, I don't even think Droog's dead, though. The, the thing I also loved about uh, Droog at the end of this movie was when it, we're having the kind of showdown between uh, Sprite and Cersei, and then Droog mm. just comes out of fucking nowhere and then like, clocks her on the back of the head with a rock. Yeah. That's sort of the story right there. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's dealt with. We can't go with the original plan, but you do you and go for it. Yeah. Make and a big ocean-sized statue. Yeah, Rock cool. on. For uh, the people that don't really know much about the Eternals, the Unimine is actually something from the comics, and it works kind of differently in the comics, but has the same idea of it makes one of the Eternals really strong. So any of the Eternals, mm -hmm. once they're you know, powered up when that Unimine juice makes them super powerful. Man. I would have liked to see a Unimine Gilgamesh punch down a Celestial. Yeah, I literally could honestly do that. Uh, yeah, because that's the whole thing about the Unimine, is it's not just they have the power of all the Eternals, but in the moment of emergence, they also have the power of the Celestial on yep. their side, so if they use that to defeat this, it's going to work! <laughs> Which is what they kind of did. They yep. use the powers of the Celestial to turn the Celestial into a rock. Now, uh, I'll be honest, the, the Celestial hatching got a lot further than I expected it to. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. fact that we could see its head poking out and its hand reaching out, I was like, oh, that's a whole fucking thing right there. Uh, surprised that there was worldwide earthquakes earlier, and that one was just an emerging from the ground thing and didn't seem to impact the rest of the world all that much. Yeah, the surprised there weren't any other earthquakes. When Dane was discussing it with Cersei later on, he didn't specify that whole earthquake world-destroying thing earlier was you. He said that island appearing in the middle of the ocean was you, which appearing is a strange word to use if that happened the way it did, but fucking sure. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a good thing we have sword now. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, an interesting thing about this, there's been a lot of discussion about this online of did uh, Tiamat let them stop his emergence? Maybe. He might have just wanted five more minutes to rest. And five more minutes for uh, Celestial might be a long time. Yeah, and it could have just been poor way that they phrased the connection of him to the Unimine, because it is implied that when a Celestial emerges, uh, it forms a Unimine with all of them, and that's how the Eternals survived the destruction to go back to the Forge and all that. Yeah, yeah that's the, how the they wording, get back to the Forge to have their memories. The wording that was given in this kind of comes off as Tiamat also kind of wanted them to stop him, because he believed in humanity, I guess. Because we don't know what them feeding off the intelligence of the creatures actually means, and it might be that Tiamat was, like, his dreams and all the stuff while in the embryonic state was all the information coming from humanity. And he's like, oh, yeah. they have a chance. He is aware of everything humanity is doing. He also saw everything Ajax saw that convinced Ajax that humanity deserved to live. And he just also came to the conclusion, you know what, let's, let's give them a chance. Yeah. They beat Thanos, let's see if they can beat Galactus, or whoever the next big bad yeah. is. And, and after all, Tiamat is also the, called the Sleeping Celestial in the comics. Yeah. So it's also entirely possible Matt's right, and Tiamat just wanted five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> if 
five more millennia. Yeah, I was gonna say, how much is five more minutes in celestial time? I'm going with millennia because it still starts with an M. Um, wake me up after the next that major does extinction imply, event. That does imply that since they were only on Earth for about seven millennia, that that's how long it took for him to be birthed was seven minutes, uh, which is horrifying. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> Yeah, different rates for different creatures. Yeah, some... I mean, humans have an abnormally long fucking... Uh, comparatively. I mean, some things just ate for longer, but... Mm -hmm. A lot of things just ate a lot shorter. I don't know. That is not something we need to talk about, honestly. Uh, so. The movie. Was there anything else about the movie? Do we want to talk about Crow at all? Because Crow is neat. Yeah, so in the comics, Crow is the leader of the Deviants, uh, and uh, he actually has a romantic thing with Thena. Yeah, he has. So we start to see it develop in this one, but in the comics, he has full-on shape-shifting abilities and regularly goes undercover amongst the humans, pretending to be one. Um, so it kind of seemed like that might have been what it was building towards, and maybe if he got Thena and actually sucked Thena juice, he would have been able to fully take on the form of a human and blend in with society. Because um, we did see him gain human-level intelligence and they'd be able to think and talk and speak. Talk and speak. Yep, those are two That's different right. things, Peter. I Correct. don't think they want to actually use Crow within the universe and they just needed a villain to kind of be like a sideline thing until the Icarus oh, yeah, reveal. No. So I, I feel I like they just killed him off and don't want to bring him back. I don't think they are going to bring him back. I'm just saying that is what he would have been building towards if they had have left him around. I don't oh, think they're okay. going to bring him back, but they were getting him to a point where he was getting close to what he was in the comic books. To be fair, that's what a lot of this movie was, was it getting close to what was happening in the comics and then subverting expectations by making Icarus the bad guy or by making Druig cool or stuff like that. And they did succeed. Druig is cool. Yep. Yeah. Druig's absolutely cool. He's one of the few Eternals that I'm fully on board because he's the one who realizes he has every stop humans from killing each other uh, and like chooses to do it on a small, small scale while realizing he can't do it on a global scale because if he does that, he's taking away humans' freedom and taking away the thing that makes them human. Very Pretty legit. Yeah. That was a nice little reveal when he actually said that in the movie. Like, yeah, I realized I could do it, but there'd be absolutely no point. Yeah, I'd be uh, protecting the thing I love by uh, destroying so, it and making it no longer the thing I love. Yeah. And then, uh, again, there's the big final fight. Uh, Icarus goes off and dies. Cersei ends up turning uh, Tiamut into marble, I believe it is. Yeah, it's marble. Hmm. And... Because it's Marvel, so of course they turn it into <laughs> Of course, it makes sense now. Uh, but then the team ends up getting split up with its uh, Thena, Droog, and Makari going off into space to find other uh, Eternals to try to bring them over to their cause. Uh, well, Kingo, Circe, and Fasto stay on Earth, and Sprite is turned into a human. Whether she still has her powers or not, though, uh, hasn't been established. So I guess they can bring the character back if they want. But I know. found that so funny at the end. Like, <laughs> I want to be school. human. And then <laughs> once she's human, she's like, man, I have to go to school now. I, I love you Kiko being like, be like, you can use some social, uh, like, uh, social skills. Yeah. 
Um, so while it wasn't explicitly said, Cersei did seem to suggest that not only would she start aging and thus lose the immortality, she seems to suggest she'd be a human in every sense of the word, so... She probably uh, lost her celestial connection. Probably lost her powers, but that was also just Cersei making an educated guess. She's never made mm-hmm. a, an Eternal into a human before, so it's also quite possible she does still have her powers, because Cersei didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah, and this is a good way of having a character that's supposed to be a child only, being able to keep bringing them back as they naturally age up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rest of the characters can come back, because... Once you get an adult, you don't age a huge amount, and Marvel has a whole bunch of trickery to make it look like you don't age at all. Maybe look like you age backwards. Who knows? <laughs> Tom Holland. Um, but yes, the the ones who are children tend to age a little bit more drastically, and it's a little bit harder to hide that that's happening. Yeah. So I can definitely see them wanting to bring back that character, and this just gives them a way to do so if they want to say that she just keeps her powers. To be fair, they could still bring her back and just have her have powers but she still wants to help out the eternals because she feels invested and they were friends for seven thousand years so even though she's a human now she might still go along with them to try and save the others yeah so who knows they have lots of ways of go about going about doing that uh but yeah the group that goes off in this space uh so the ones that stay on the planet mine is sprite of course uh get pulled up by uh Arisham, and it's like, oh, time to judge by reading your minds, and fucks off. And the ones in space uh, end up getting a surprise uh, meeting uh, when uh, one of the One Direction members joins them. Yep. Uh, it was... Uh, Harry Styles. Uh, but who is he playing? Uh, Eros. Eros. Or Star Fox. Or, or Star Fox. I'm going to call him Star Fox, because that makes me feel happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's I- Joined by Pip of... the Troll, played by Patton Oswalt. I did a little bit of looking into that and found out that he is the brother of Thanos? Yes. Yep. To be fair, you didn't have to look into that. He explicitly said it while on screen. Oh, also yeah. True. But yes, he is, the, he is Thanos' brother. Don't ask too many questions. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't think Thanos is an Eternal. Is he an Eternal? Is don't he, ask he's not a celestial, uh, is he? Oh, okay, so we'll go into this briefly. So in the comics, Thanos is actually a deviant. Yep. Uh, oh. Because okay. he is born of an Eternal and a species to the planet Titan. So someone from Titan okay. and an Eternal so gave he's... birth to him, and he was born with a deviant gene. So deviant just means you don't have the proper gene for what was intended through your species. Okay. Yeah, so deviant takes on a slightly different vibe in this uh, movie, but yeah, he was... Uh, the child of a Titan and a uh, Eternal. Yeah, and Eternals and are so, actually from planet Olympia, which does not exist in this universe. Yeah, so Eros was... Uh, they were both chi- children of this uh, Deviant... Not Deviant. This Eternal and the fucking um, Titan. And it's just Eros got more of the Eternal side of the gene and Thanos got more of the Deviant side. Mm, so what okay. might be getting implied with uh, the introduction of Eros saying that Thanos is his brother, even in the MCU, is that Thanos might actually be connected to the Eternals of Titan in some capacity, or he himself might get revealed to be he was an Eternal as well. Hmm. But we just or don't they know. could just as easily say that he's uh, Thanos' brother in the same way that uh, Nebula and oh, God, Gamora. Gamora. Yeah, Nebula and Gamora are s- sisters. 
Of course. Like, they might not actually be blood-related, but they might just have grown up together. Oh, definitely. Which is a weird thing to say for an Eternal, but you know what I'm trying to well, say. Well, the thing is, yeah. a lot of people are starting to talk about the idea that Thanos, in his whole, like, snapping thing, was actually directed specifically at the Celestials and what they were doing, but that's yeah, something that like, It could have been his attempt to halt or delay the process. Which we don't, we won't know until we get more on what's going on with all of that. But so far, it's Thanos has some connection to Eros, and whether he's an Eternal himself or that they're both the child of an Eternal, revealing Eternals can have children, we just don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. or it's entirely possible Thanos was completely unaware of the Celestials and what they were doing, and Eros was an Eternal who was there trying to make the Celestial. And they just fucked up so badly because Thanos specifically showed his planet is desolate now and has no life anymore. Uh, so maybe that's what happened. Yeah. And now they're fucked. Yeah, we just won't know until we get more from Eros, I guess. Yeah, we essentially won't know until we see probably the next Eternals movie when they follow up on the Eros reveal. Uh, another interesting thing to talk about, actually, uh, as I mentioned earlier. So, uh, Ego. Yes. So the idea about Ego and how he's different from the other Celestials and why that is, uh, it's been speculated that he's actually the uh, Celestials experiment plan on evolution for themselves specifically, which is uh, new ways to birth Celestials without drawing. And this is a speculation that Galactus is now going to be the big threat coming forward. Because in the comics, uh, specifically Earth-X storyline, uh, it's not that Galactus just destroys planets for the sake of it. He's kind of like the natural check on the Celestials as he specifically eats planets with Celestials in it. Yeah. So the idea is because the population of Celestials is so low because of Galactus, they had to find other ways to try to make them. And Vigo was that experiment to see if they could make a Celestial uh, a different way without drawing the attention of Galactus. And they failed. Well, the the... I mean, like, yes, they made a Celestial, and he also had a way of propagating himself across the universe without trying to birth other Celestials. Uh, and uh, but... actually, someone pointed out that him uh, trying to lay his seed on the different planets uh, at the end of the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, that whole plotline, uh, it suggested that what he was doing wasn't actually making the universe him, but turning all of those planets with Celestials in them into yeah, that... the new type of Celestial. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, he found a way of potentially propagating Celestials without uh, invoking Galactus. Invoking, that was a choice of word. Um, But he failed in the sense that he's dead, and if they want to try again, they're going to have to recreate another ego planet. Yeah. But it's a cool way of looking at that character in a new context, where he's also saying he's a Celestial. It could be that he was just mistaken, and he was giving himself a name of these creatures that he thought he was like. But... That's something mm-hmm. that a lot of people are speculating this might be the case, or that Ego specifically was something made by the Celestials to specifically fight against Galactus. Or there's two different types of Celestial, and they both have the same name, because writing is hard. Yeah. Celestial right, well, capital C versus Celestial Celestial C, that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Marvel's always good about putting hints of things here and there, and then going back to things that look like uh, they, you know, left a big loophole uh, in the storyline, which sometimes they do, but going back to say, oh, no, it was always meant to be that way. They're good at that, so if they think that's a big enough thing that people are complaining about, they'll probably go back and address it in some aspect. But until then, we just don't know. It's all speculation. Yeah. 
Uh, it like honestly, the easiest way for them to address it, and what could very easily end up happening, is have. I was about to say Chris Pratt. Uh, <laughs> is to have Star Lord. You mean uh, Mario, right? Yeah, Mario. Have Mario uh, learn about these events and like ask about Celestials because he kind of is one, and then have another Celestial just pop up and be like, nope, you're not. This is the ways that you're different. Here's a perfect plot explanation as to why people called you a Celestial when you seem very different from other Celestials. Blah, blah, uh, blah. Plot exposition, exposition, exposition. Credits. Uh, another interesting thing this, this does bring up, though, is the fact that Star-Lord might be a Celestial by a few few degrees, like actual have access to the cosmic powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because before it was, he could only use it when he was on the planet, but I think if they wanted to, they could easily say, oh no, he has, like, Eternals-level power, he just needs to find a way to tap into it. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that could, could also explain be... why he was able to touch a Infinity Stone and not die. Exactly. Yeah, and that could very easily be what they do is, in the next movie, not necessarily the next movie, but in the movie where they have that meeting where explained the ways that he is similar to Celestials and the ways he's different, and why Ego didn't look like any of the other Celestials that we know. Uh, they could easily just explain that away, and then teach him how to tap into the Celestial power uh, without having to be on Ego, so that they can still have him having fun powers. Exactly. And it turns out the way he taps into those Celestial powers is through the power dance! Wham, wham, wham! I can be on that. Dance battle! Yeah, I would actually be fully on board with that. Oh yeah, so literally every Guardians of the Galaxy movie after that point ends with just a dance battle. Just, no matter what the context is, it just always ends in a dance battle. It changes the context for a lot of things moving forward. Yeah. It literally, not even just Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like the next uh, full-on Avengers movie where they bring everyone in and they're fighting the Doobadoo, the new Marvel villain who consumes entire galaxy. And the way they defeat him is by Chris Pat just dancing his heart out. We could dance off against Galactus. I would be like I say it now, but it might actually ruin the MCU as a whole. I would be super into just seeing Galactus about to eat Earth and then him just fucking start breakdancing in the middle of space next to Earth to try and beat Chris Pratt. <laughs> I could just devour this planet and show my dominance that way, but I can't let this little punk show me up. He's yeah. too fresh. I can't handle it. I need to prove that I'm also capable of dancing. I need to break their will through hip-hop. And it works. Uh, and the day is saved. And by the day is saved, I mean it works for Galactus, and the day is saved in the sense that he gets to continue consuming Earth. <laughs> and that's just the final MCU movie. It just cuts to black and says, the end. No characters will return. <laughs> the empty void will return. Yeah. Uh, like, that is one thing I'm enjoying, is how every Marvel movie ends with so-and-so will return. Like, this one ends with the Eternals will return. It used to be earlier on that it was they will return in the Avengers or something like that, or they will return in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, now they guess they just don't want to tease the specific movie anymore. But I would be super into it if, like, an Avengers movie ends, and it just ends with the fade to black, and then no characters in this film will return. <laughs> the Time Variance Authority will return. Yeah, uh, well, Shang-Chi was even everything like, that happened. Shang-Chi even specifically said uh, the Ten Rings will return and not Shang-Chi. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe things will be good, maybe they'll be bad. Yeah, true.
But yeah, overall, uh, this this movie, oh, as we said earlier, like it kind of had like a slow, weird start, but it's one of those movies that it gets better as it goes on. Yeah. And I think that's where the mix of feelings on it comes from. Yeah. Uh, it was iffy on how they had to go about founding the story for the Eternals. Yeah. Yeah, the pacing was a little bit awkward to me, and honestly, if they release a like a director's cut where it's cut differently and has slightly better pacing, then I would be fully on board with it. That is literally my only complaint about this film, is the pacing of the uh, movie based on the yeah, flashbacks like, and all that stuff. The final showdown is probably one of my favorite from all of the MCU movies so far, but as a whole, this movie's probably middle of the pack to like lower end. Hmm. Uh, the fact that this is the first one I can think of where the way that they defeat the villain in the end is by having the antagonist work together with all the protagonists to provide power to defeat the villain. Like, it's usually when someone's established as a bad guy who's fighting against them, that bad guy continues fighting against them and has to be defeated. But this one just ends with him realizing that, and maybe he wasn't willingly giving his power, but he did give his power and that uh well yeah well, he realized that he couldn't well, he couldn't bring himself to stop them yeah, so he couldn't hit, he didn't he want to see cersei. them fail at that point yeah well you didn't want to see cersei die right and that's the whole yeah. thing of it like his love for cersei ended up being ultimately what caused him to give his power and then go kill himself in the sun to make everything come full circle mm-hmm. well that's about pretty much everything i could think of to talk about for this movie yeah yep uh so let's take this chance to see if anyone had managed to correctly guess the episode oh nope does not look like anyone managed to correctly guess this week's episode uh although we do have one suggestion here on what the episode could be from hannah j underscore 13 who stated mothman yeah really mothman i never would have guessed at this point to our fucking broadcast that's for sure <laughs> uh so before we get into this episode's question let's take a look at last episode's question the last question was for our squid game episode and that was uh if you had a childhood game uh, put into the squid game which game would you like that to be and we got one suggestion from tachi underscore camargo who stated hide and seek Ooh. oh that actually would be really good that it's just... works perfectly not even having the like uh, hiders and seekers both being players, but just everyone's a hider and it, the seekers are the like game runners. And if they find you, they just immediately shoot you in the fucking head. That would actually be pretty legit. Uh, also, yeah. that just pretty much turns the whole concept into a horror movie for that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, on that same vein, though, you know, could it be another interesting one? Uh, flashlight tag. Yeah. Oh, yes. Or spotlight. Stay yeah, there's a lot of hiding-based uh, games that could be mm-hmm. quite good. And once again, any one of them turns that episode into a fucking horror because it's just a whole bunch of people quietly hiding in a closet, trying not to get caught, holding their breath as someone walks past with a gun, waiting to shoot them. Exactly. So for this episode's question, I've got a question. Okay, Matt, what's oh, your question? What's Matt's question? Like, does Dane Whitman ever get any payoff for his dream of wanting to become a giraffe? Because <laughs> that's what I want to know. 
if we get a shot of fucking the Black Knight armor on a giraffe swinging it wildly at Galactus, it will be worth it. <laughs> I swear to God, if that's not a shot in uh, fucking What If Season 2, because I'm going to be honest, if that happens in an actual MC, uh, I'll lose my fucking mind. I mean, there is the animal the universe. Way. I don't mean in a bad way. I just mean I will actually go insane. But if we see that in a What If episode, uh, I will immediately take every single straw that is currently on the camel's back and take all of them off. I'll 100% be back on board with the MCU if in a What If episode we get to see Giraffe Black Knight stabbing Galactus. <laughs> uh, is there any story behind that? Or is even just some like side throne comment made in the comics? Uh, I'm actually quickly looking because there is the animal universe and I want to find out what he is there. Because Loki's that weird fucked up dog thing. No, I'm not seeing anything indicating that he has any variation in that animal planet. Yeah, no. I can't find anything either. So that's a shame. There better be some payoff to that. Yeah, so th that does mean they can just pay off the giraffe thing if they do an animal universe and what if. Yeah. I mean, there's a Marvel superhero called Giraffe Man who comes from Earth-616, the main storyline, uh, and just is a giraffe who fights crime. So... <laughs> That could just... They could make a reference to that in the form of fucking uh, What If episode, except it's just Dan Whitman gets turned into giraffe. Yeah, I guess the question is, when do you think Dan Whitman's gonna turn into a giraffe? Let us know. <laughs> or, are they gonna subvert expectations again and turn him into a completely different animal? I shouldn't have said that. I left the door fucking open. I'm sorry. You son of a bitch. Uh, Anyways, uh, do you guys have any suggestions for the listeners? Yes. Well, uh, Matt, you go first, because I know you were thinking about it over podcast, Okay. So I don't want to take away yours just in case. All right. So luckily I did come up with one. I'm going to suggest uh, the two movies of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief and The Sea of Monsters. Because uh, seeing as how the Eternals in the lore of the Marvel Cinematic Universe were the backstory or the basis of a lot of mythos, mythology, and gods. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, as the title says, is dealing with gods and such, except in modern day. Very nice. Enough. Yeah. And uh, they're entertaining enough to watch. <laughs> they're really selling them there. Uh, I might recommend, rather than watching the two movies, I believe they're making a series on Amazon Prime for that. Oh, they are? Yeah, there's oh, a TV yeah. show coming out, or if it hasn't already oh, started yet. I'm going to have to check that out. I don't know if it started releasing. I was interested in it when I, I guess, immediately forgot about it. So let me do a quick Google to see when it gets released. Uh, it's a Disney Plus series, not an Amazon Prime. Uh, and uh, they just said, it got delayed because of COVID-19, so they're not sure exactly when it's going to come out. That's fair. Um, okay. But yeah, it's all about uh, God's kids, the demigods, and their trials and tribulations in a world based around the mythology actually existing. Uh, but yeah, uh, having read the books and watched the movies, I would probably recommend watching the series when it comes out instead, because that one's going to actually have the 
process and the mm. movies were not a great adaptation of the source material yeah, they, that's what i heard they weren't great but uh they were still enjoyable to watch yeah they were still enjoyable uh, speaking as someone who's never read the books uh, not that this is what i meant to get into but the whole problem with <laughs> the fucking movies is uh they kind of just fuck with the original plot because the original plot was all about how different gods were good and different gods were bad and there weren't really any explicitly evil gods it's just gods had different intentions whereas in the movies it was just straight up yep uh fucking some gods are just straight up evil uh because we all think of hades as being a bad guy so that means hades is the bad guy um it's a whole fucking thing. Anyways, I'm mm -hmm. not going to get into it. Uh, I preferred the books, but the movies weren't terrible. Uh, my recommendation uh, is a slightly weird one, um, but that's because... So I recently reacquired Netflix because I haven't had it for a, a hot second. Um, and I got it so I could watch the Arcane League of Legends series. Not that that's what I'm recommending. That's why I got it. And while I was there, I started watching The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. So that's what I'm recommending, because it's also about a super-powered individual who tries to blend in and pretend he's just a normal human around all his other normal human being friends. But he doesn't call friends, because he just wants to blend in. <laughs> uh, but that is what I'm going to recommend. Uh, so my recommendation for this one, and I think both of you probably already heard of this before, but American Gods. Yes, American Gods is another great one. So the concept of American Gods is it's modern day, and the idea of gods is based on pretty much faith. People believe in gods and make them more powerful, but it can also create new gods. So it's the modern gods in America are things like, you know, social media and like money and stuff like that. And it's pretty much a war between the old and new gods and the character we're following getting pulled into it. Yeah, so it's uh, primarily a war between Odin and a whole bunch of old gods. Uh, fighting against like the gods of social media, as you said, like essentially Fox News is one of the gods because just uh, consumerism and uh, media in general. Uh, it's a whole fucking thing, but yeah, it's a very good story slash uh, Amazon Prime series. Yeah, and it kind of feels like when I was watching through Eternals, it kind of felt like the same type of scale of battle in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, with that, that's the end of the episode here. So if you'd like to contact us, have a question, suggestion, or an answer for one of our questions, you can reach us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram where we put up guessing photos for people to try to figure out what our episodes are about or any bonus episodes as well. And finally, what are we going to be looking at next time? Join us in a fortnight when we get together to discuss who's the jinx that's been ruining the podcast all over.